Welcome to Practical Christian Living. The real sign of maturity, the Bible says, is love. The person who is mature, I think, has a few qualities. I think love is an obvious quality because the Bible says that, that that's maturity, love. But I also think humility, being humble and loving is a sign of maturity. Real spiritual growth can't happen in our lives unless we are consistently taking the Word of God into our hearts and our minds, digesting it, studying it, meditating it, and ultimately living it. Let's pray that we would desire to take in God's Word every day, that we would hunger for it, and that we would become not only hearers of the Word, but doers. Here's the continuation of our study in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, with Robert Furrow. As powerful as the Word of God is, as life-transforming as God's Word is, it won't penetrate the heart of someone who has a fallow heart. The heart has to be softened. And if you know someone that is just, just hard towards God, that needs to have their heart softened, then rather than just continuing to throw the Word of God at them, it might be good to back away and pray. Pray that God would break up the heart. Pray that God would do a work, that there would be something that would allow their heart to become ready to receive God's Word. Jesus spoke of a rocky ground, that the Word shot up quickly, but was choked out by the rocks. He spoke of weedy ground, that was choked out by the cares and the worries of this world. You give your life to Christ, you begin to follow Him, but... The cares and the worries of, you know, making ends meet and just kind of life's difficulties get in the way and choke out God's word. But if it can fall on a good heart, then it can produce 30, 60, or 100 fold. Now, what Peter does here is help us to understand some of those things that can be hindering the life-changing power of God's word inside of me. And so he gives us five different things that he wants us to lay aside. The word malice is the word for evil. And it's the word for evil towards an individual. Jesus said that if we are merciful, then we'll receive mercy. And the way that we judge is the way that we're going to be judged. And I believe the most important thing for you, me, the most important thing that God wants out of our behavior is the way we treat other people. And if we are malicious towards people, if we have an evil intent, we just want to see someone hurt, we want to tear them down, we have hatred and anger and bitterness towards them, just that malice inside, that stops the word of God from really being able to penetrate because we're not serving him and following him out of sincerity. Sincerity is when you say, all right, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, and if you don't want me to be hateful and you don't want me to be full of malice and you don't want me to be full of envy, then I'm an open book. Do your work within me. As you lay those things aside and open up yourself to God, then God begins to do the work. But if you have evil uh, malice towards individuals, it's going to stop the word of God from penetrating and doing what it needs to do. So he says, lay aside all malice and then all deceit. This word for deceit, it's a word that was used for a fishing hook. One pastor said that there's nothing more deceitful than a fishing hook. You bait it up and you stick it out there promising the fish to give them something to eat only to eat them. You've sent it out just to get, as a promise of something they can gain 
only to devour them. That's this kind of deceit. We don't want to be deceitful individuals. We want to be honest and we want to be real. And we don't want to deceive someone, manipulate someone. We want to be able to just trust in God. Hypocrisy, laying aside all hypocrisy. That's pretending that you are someone who you're not. We all know that the word hypocrisy comes from the Greek word for actor. They get up on stage and they would hold little masks in front of their face. And they would pretend that they were someone that they were not. In fact, Jesus kept his strongest words for the religious hypocrites. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. I think it's Matthew 23. He says that I don't know how many times as he gives them the harshest words. And if he gives the harshest words to hypocrites, the last thing that you and I want to be as honest, real followers of Jesus, it's hypocrites. We don't want to stick our nose in the air. We don't want to pretend that we're closer to Jesus than we are. We just want to be real. We just want to serve Jesus and really follow him and find out what he wants for us. We want to humbly be used by him instead of being full of hypocrisy. The last thing that we want to be is like the Pharisees who just saw themselves, they dressed up in certain ways so that people would see them and think, my, you are a spiritual individual. My, you must really love the Lord. And they loved it. Jesus said, you guys love having people call you rabbi, having people call you teacher. Put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy, envying what someone else has and all evil speaking. The word there is just slander. If I'm right, and I think that I am, that what God cares about you the most is how you're treating people. I mean, as you study Exodus and Leviticus, when you get into the law, there's so much in the law about the way that we treat one another. There's a section in the book of Exodus that is kind of, really, it's, it's the law in two chapters. It's a set of precedents in our legal system. There are libraries full of books that set precedents. When you can just go to the book of Exodus and you find two chapters of precedence, it's things like this. If a man borrows his neighbor's donkey and the donkey dies while the man has the donkey, then, and I don't remember whose donkey, whose fault it was at that point, if it was the guy that sent it over and there's some stipulation in it, but there's two chapters of that kind of stuff that we read and find a difficult time finding application because we go, well, I don't have a donkey. The last time a donkey's died in my possession, I don't remember. So I'm not too concerned about it. But God was doing that for precedent, for legal things. But at a certain point in that passage, God says, and if you take advantage of the poor, then I will come against you. He was talking about what they should do when someone mistreated their neighbors. But then he says, if you go after the widows and the fatherless and you take from them, then I will come against you. God literally says, I am going to come against you. I think of the proverb that says, if you lend to the poor, I will repay, God says. Not only does God warn against doing it, but God says, if you reach out to the poor, I'll repay. That's another great example of how God's word works as it transforms us. If you have laid aside all of these things and you honestly, sincerely want to follow God and you get rid of hypocrisy in your life and you get rid of deceit and you get rid of slander, you lay all those things aside and you read God's word and it says, when you give to the poor, God will repay. The next time you run into someone who's poor, you're looking for a way that you can help them. Knowing, you know what? God said that he would repay. And you give God an actual opportunity to do that. Even when you give beyond what is your ability to be able to give, God still meets you there. 
because that's God's word. So that one of the Ten Commandments is not thou shalt not lie. When people list the Ten Commandments, inevitably they list thou shalt not lie as one of them. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? It's okay for you to tell your wife that that's a pretty dress. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that. Me and, uh, me and Pat have an ongoing discussion about those kind of things. The midwives in Egypt who lied about the male babies being born. Rahab who lied about the spies not being in her home. I mean, you can just go through the scriptures and you can find it. I'm not saying that the lies are justified. I'm just saying they're there. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You guys argue about it, figure it out later. I'm just saying it's there. What God really cared about in the Ten Commandments was not a lie. What God cared about was false witness, bearing false witness. When I look at you and I say, that's the person that stole it when they didn't steal it. Then they get arrested and thrown in jail when they didn't steal it. Or when you say something about somebody that's not true, you say something about your son-in-law or you say something about your mother-in-law that's not true. (laughs) And to you, you might go, hey, it's okay that I say that about her. But in reality, it's something that really upsets God. So we put all kinds of evil speaking, all kinds of slanderous speech. The Bible talks about one of the seven things that God hates is a man who divides brethren. Somebody that just comes in and builds contention up between people, between individuals. It's one of the seven things that God hates is somebody that just brings division. But God loves the peacemaker. God honors the person who's a peacemaker, the Bible tells us. So if we could put all of these things aside, then that's part of it. We take that off, come to him in a sense of sincerity where we can honestly say to him, Lord, I really do want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to be your child. I don't want to pretend. I want to be honest about all the aspects of my life. Speak to me and I'll obey. I just want to know what you want to know. If we can do that, then as newborn babes, Desire the pure milk of the word. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. How do newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word? Babies are interesting. God has, they're they're beautiful. They're wonderful, by the way. I'm going to talk a little bad about babies now, but I just want you to know that I love babies, okay? (laughs) I've got a couple grandchildren. I got a new grandchild that's on the way. Can't wait to see them, you know. I love babies. They're great. But God has given babies this set of lungs and this vocal cord that when Jessica was born, my oldest, and I held her, first of all, her eyes were just as big and brown as they could be. And when I looked into her eyes, it was like at that moment, she wrapped me around her little finger or, you know, and and whatever she wanted the rest of her life, even up to this day, I would do for her. But she opened up her mouth and started to scream and didn't stop for like a year and a half. (laughs) So much so that when Lisa told me that she was pregnant with our second child, with with David, I said to her, my life is over. (laughs) Because I couldn't imagine having two of them things around. So uh, a baby cries, and when it's screaming, they're, they're fairly easy to take care of. There's basically three things that could be wrong. It's hungry, it's uncomfortable because it needs to be changed, or something serious, but you hope it's not something serious. But when a baby gets hungry, he doesn't care where he's at. He doesn't care that you're trying to have dinner. He just starts to scream and wants the milk. And if he doesn't get the milk, 
he's going to make everybody else's life miserable until he gets the milk. It's so the mom gets up and takes the baby back and feeds the baby because the baby desires the pure milk of the word of God. So here, Peter says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. He doesn't say, you who are newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. In other words, it's an analogy to all of us. It's for those of you who have just come to Christ, that you would have a hunger, a desire to know God's word. I tell you, I love when I, when I think about a group of people that love to hear God's word, I think of you guys. I think of the group, you know, the crowd that we got for the book of Leviticus, not just the first chapter, by the way, because the first seven chapters are pretty easy, actually. It's when you get past that, that it gets tough but going all the way through the book and as excited as people were for the book. I think people were more excited about Leviticus than they were about 1 Peter, to be honest with you. And I love that. I love the desire. It's like every pastor's dream to teach to a body of people that just want to hear the word of God, that want the word of God taught to them, that desire to hear it. And I think that you guys have it. But it doesn't mean that we don't stop and sit back and evaluate. What are our greatest desires? What are the greatest desires in our lives? And if we as newborn babes are going to desire the pure milk of the word, can, do you desire the pure milk of the word as a baby desires that mother's milk? Where, you know, above all else, I'm going to get it. God's word. Jesus said of the word of God, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the father. The Bible says that God's word is life. I think it is far more powerful, far more needed, far more important to our everyday walk with Christ than we really can, can understand and imagine. We can exist on it. It's far more important to you than your daily bread. Now, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And I don't think that we, without a desire for God's word, I mean, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to hear God's word, study God's word, preach God's word, hide God's word in our heart. The Bible tells us a lot of different things that we're supposed to do, but all of those things that follow this become easier if we, like newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. If we say, above all else, I'm going to make sure that I bring God's word into my life daily. Like newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Now, the little phrase there at the end of the word is not really there. The word means spiritual, like newborn babes desire the pure, I don't know how to put this in a sentence without the word, the word in there, um, without the pure spiritual that you may grow thereby. But because the context is the word of God, they clarified it because it's so hard to put into the English. And I think, I, if, I don't know if I remember if it's the NIV or the ESV, but one of them puts it in a way where it leaves the word out of there. Because the idea here is, is spiritual growth that comes from the word of God. I think they're 100% proper in putting desire the pure milk of the word because that's the context of what we're studying all the way back into chapter one. Therefore, we lay aside these evil desires and envy and hypocrisy 
And we desire, the, like newborn babes, the pure milk, the pure desire to be spiritual. And I think the pure milk of the word is the right way to put this. Then he says that you may grow thereby. I don't know that growth is going to take place in our lives. Spiritual maturity is going to take place in our lives unless we take the word of God in on a regular basis. And I think the greatest sign for spiritual maturity, it's not how much you're used by God. It's not how many Bible trivia games you can win. It's not how many scriptures you can tell somebody off the top of your head. It's not dominating some conversation because you realize that you know more about the Bible than anyone else has. The real sign of maturity, the Bible says, is love. The person who is mature, I think, has a few qualities. I think love is an obvious quality because the Bible says that, that that's maturity, love. But I also think humility, being humble and loving is a sign of maturity. We aren't going to get to that place where we're the people that God wants us to be with the power that God wants us to have unless we desire the pure milk of the word that we would grow thereby. Without it, we're just going to continue to struggle. And some have just struggled continually through 20 or 30 years of Christianity because there hasn't been a, a good intake of the word of God. It's possible to hear God's word and to not do it. So James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Revelation says, blessed are those who hear and do the words that are written in this prophecy. Not just hearing it, but actually doing it. Here the connection is to desire, but if you put away hypocrisy and you desire, that desire will result in actually going out and doing that work that God's called us to do. So that the growth comes as you put God's word into action. I also believe that we will be judged by what we know. So that the person in the absolute worst place in judgment is the person that comes to church week after week after week after week, hears the word of God week after week after week after week, and then doesn't do it. It's one of the reasons I don't know about forcing a teenager to go to church. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, my teenager doesn't want to go to church, but I'm making them go to church. I don't know. You might be bringing responsibility into their life. They don't want later on. They're learning things that they might not want to know and follow through with. Now, I'm not saying whether or not to force them to go to church or not. I know when I look out and I see someone here that's forced to be here, they're generally not getting very much from the study. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because this is a clue. I'm so angry about being here. I don't want to be here, and I'm not going to listen. You can drag me here, but you can't make me eat, right? That kind of, of an idea. It might be better to let God really work on the heart and draw them in. I don't know. You need to make those decisions on your own. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just kind of telling you what I think. I'm not telling you what to do. But it's not just hearing the word of God, it's doing the word of God and it's desiring God's word. And if there's a, a hunger for God's word, then you're gonna end up bringing God's word into your life and actually doing it. It's kind of connected. If, you gotta, if, you, if you're hungry, you don't just want the plate set in front of you. If you're desiring a ribeye steak, you just don't, you know, the ribeye steak gets set in front of you, you just don't leave it there. Because you're desiring it, you take it into your life. You eat it. 
We desire the pure milk of the word and will grow thereby. Then it says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Hey, if you've seen that God's gracious, I, I don't know, not everybody has. That God gives above and beyond anything that you and I deserve, that's graciousness. If you've indeed seen that God is gracious, if you've seen God's graciousness at all, then you know as you begin to take God's word into your life that God is able to expand things beyond levels and areas that we ever thought that God could. If we would just say, Lord, I really want to hear from you. I really want to do what you want me to do. Desiring the, like a newborn babe, desiring the pure milk. The Old Testament says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What a way to live. Lord, I just want to delight myself in you. It's all kinds of things we can delight ourselves in. I, I compare that to John chapter 15. If you abide, Jesus saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. The desire, to desire the pure milk of the word, like a newborn babe, and then having those things given to us, because if we delight ourselves in him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. And if we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us, then we have those things that we're desiring that are given to us. It's a way that we make a connection with God and it's a way that God's word gets in and changes us, literally changes us. And if you've got struggles in your life, if you've got strongholds, if you've got difficulties, this is one of the keys to fighting those things. One of the keys is walking in the spirit. One of the keys is desiring the pure milk of the word of God that you can grow by. The Bible says in Galatians, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Saying to God, today I want to walk in the spirit. Yeah, putting off the old things, putting off the lustful things, but saying, I want to walk in the spirit. I like what one guy said years ago was that if I spend time doing the do's, I don't have time to do the don'ts. If I just say, Lord, I just want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to love you. I want to intake your word into our lives. And uh, if I can, just in closing, a little short today, I realize, but in I thought there was going to be a hurricane. Um, <laughs> So I only prepared the first three verses. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to close with now. Because it said hurricane. Stand with me, would you? Let's pray. I'll probably remember in the middle of my prayer. Father, we want to thank you as we consider the truth of the power of your word. And Peter encouraging us as newborn babes to desire the pure milk of the word. And if somehow we have stopped hungering for your word, are hungering and thirsting to know you and to love you, then we pray that you would search our hearts, do a work within us. We realize that transformation takes place and that we are becoming the men and women you want us to be and that as time goes by, we're becoming more and more like we will be in eternity, but we need to grow by the pure milk of the word in our lives. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would take these truths deep within us that we would put away envy and malice and hypocrisy and evil speaking, put those things aside so that the word of God can take hold within our hearts and produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And Lord, I do pray for that, for those that are here tonight, that the word of God would be evident and that you would bless them and those that are around them. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.